Hello and welcome to this week's slightly later than usual French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host and I'm happy to say we are the podcast that wouldn't dream of joining another club. I have got with me uh, two of the famous three this week. Uh, Jez is busy with work so I'm relying heavily on Rich and Phil this week. How are you both doing? We will Sorry, cobble I'm, together. I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to move house, so Boss. I'm currently surrounded by boxes and dust and losing the will to live. So yeah. just to warn you. The best times, yeah, the, the, the best times, but the worst of times. I'm with you. Hopefully that goes well. And uh, Rich, a busy, busy deadline day for Ren. I'm sure we'll come on to that one in a minute, but uh, you're keeping well? <laughs> yeah, no, all good. Good. All name. good. Excellent. Right then, let's launch in. So, dear listener, we are going to probably talk fairly heavy sort of transfer bits and bobs as well as uh, we want to go a little bit heavy on the European scene this week because there has been some draws done as well. But we will um, we will start in Liga because, you know, might be a few days out of date, but some people may not know what's gone on. So uh, there was a, a small notable um incident shall we say at the weekend which we'll come on to in a minute first of all let's run down the results from last weekend's games on friday going all the way back to the 27th of of august as it was then leon opened up the weekend's action with a one nil win over nolt musa dambale with the winner damien de silva red yes indeed and they they were lucky by the way i'm just gonna say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying non were um you know, fantastic, but a couple of really bad misses. Uh, Imran Loser and um, not Imran Loser, he's gone to Watford. Um, Coco and uh, who's the who's the, uh, Ludovic Plus, of course, um, were, were probably the two most guilty of that particular game. They had really good chances. Moses Simon also missing a decent chance. So I think it's fair to say uh, Nantes were a little unfortunate, but Leon do take the points despite De Silva's red card. Uh, nice, who we will come on to in a moment, uh, beat Bordeaux by four goals to nil. Uh, Justin Clivert, I mean, Guiri double, and uh, old Catherine Turam with the fourth. I say we'll be back to that game in a moment. Marseille continue to impress a 3 1 victory over St Etienne in what was a very watchable game. This, I must admit, watched this one on Saturday night. Matteo Ganduzzi with the opener, uh, Timotej Kulosicek with the equaliser from a corner before Gerson arrived right at the exact right moment to make it 2-1 after a good move. And Cheng is under, continuing his good start to the season. I think that's three and three for him now since joining. And the points go to OM. Fantastic atmosphere in that particular game as well. And luckily, nothing thrown onto the pitch. Happy times. Uh, on Sunday, we saw Trois lose at home uh, to Monaco, who finally got a much-needed win and a double from Sofen Diop got the points for them. Ruben Aguilar, I think it's the second time in a week, isn't it? He's put oh, through his God. own net. Week, weakest horribles. Yes, I, I feel so sorry for him. And they they hit the post just before that. Yeah. One of those, you can't see how geometry made that not go in. Yeah. Uh, so I think Tuar were a little unlucky in that situation as well. They certainly were, yes. Yeah, they certainly were. But uh, nevertheless, a win for Monaco, much needed for Niko Kovac in a week, which was not fun for him. So we'll come on to the European action in a bit. Elsewhere, as a tuna win for Auger, close your ears, Rich, uh, over Ren, Sofia Bufal, and uh, the young man, Cho. He's, um, he's, he's causing a little bit of a stir in France. So Mohamed Ali Cho, 17 years of age. Um, yeah, lots of eyes suddenly watching him, uh, his his goal in the 88th minute clinching the tuna win for Anger. But yeah, I think it's definitely a name that we're going to hear a little bit more of this coming season. Uh, Bade's sending off didn't help Ren's situation in that particular game for two blockable offences. Uh, elsewhere, Claremont 2, Mets 2. Claremont continued to impress, uh, made a couple of decent signings on transfer deadline as well. They were 2-0 down, but came back to get a point. Ibrahim uh, Nian had put Mets in front, or Desmas put through his own net. Uh, Niakate then put through his own net for Mets to give Claremont a way back into the game before Rashani, uh, he of the being a hero previously in uh, previous week's games, got the equaliser and another well-earned point for Claremont, who just started fantastically. Uh, Lulz 2, Lorient 2. 
good uh, good watchable game this one uh, although not maybe not if you're at the wrong persuasion because we really should have won this game but you know that's just my bias coming out uh the opener from jonathan klaus equalized by loriente he of the long-range free kick varieties uh thomas monconduy with his first goal back since rejoining or since joining Lorient, i should say that was 2-1 to Lemelo before they conceded late to a Fofana. I say late, last 20 minutes, Fofana getting the equaliser for Lens in a very watchable encounter. This one, 2-2, it finished. Strasbourg getting a win, much needed for them. Pritchett with the opener, even Evan Cardona, of course, for Brest before Deverne's own goal and Adrian Thomason popping up on the score sheet late on to seal the three points for Juliet Stefan's men. Lille got also a much-needed win for them. Yusuf Yazici, I refuse to call him Yazici because it just doesn't sound right. I'm going to call him Yazici, fight me. They uh, went 1-0 up on the 45th minute. said, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you know, Griezmann, Griezmann, depends where you... Uh, I'm going with Yazici. Yazici sort of sounds like somebody who's had a few too many on a Saturday night and can't say their mate's name, you know? So, anyway. My British colleague says that's how it's said. Well... He can write to me. <laughs> anyway, Yusuf got the opener for Lille before uh, Gaetan Laborde uh, got what will prove to be his final goal, goal in a Montpellier shirt right on the stroke of half time, two goals right before the, the break. And then Jonathan David, who's uh, or David, if you prefer, uh, came through with the winner for Lille. Um, he's a very likeable chap and uh, I hope he continues to score goals. Uh, Sambia's red card compounded today from Montpellier, unfortunately, to Bookables once again. And finally, and this is where we'll start our kind of uh, focus for the weekend, uh, PSG got a 2-0 win away at Rouse. Doesn't tell the full story. Kylian Mbappe, who we will certainly come on to, got both goals, one with a header, and then the second clincher in the second half. Rams had a goal disallowed. Uh, it was a very close offside call, this one. Um, wasn't 100% sold on it, but it was ruled out. That was 1-1 at the time, or it would have been 1-1. So quite a key incident. And they missed a couple of good chances as well, particularly in the second half. But ultimately, PSG got the points. Uh, it is there that we will begin. Um, first of all, Phil, I'll pick on you, first of all. Um, PSG kind of looking a little ominous at the start of this season. They haven't even got all of their big players up to speed yet. Mm. And of course, this game did mark the uh, the unveiling of one Lionel Messi. He came off the bench, he played about 25 minutes. Um, I think it's fair to say he eased his way in. I didn't come out for the warm-up. It was all kept very sort of hush-hush as to whether he would get on, but he did get some playing time. What did you kind of, what did you make of their start to the season oh. just in terms of how they're getting on? I think the obviously because this is an away game for PSG, the uh, Rouse ticket um, kind of swapping site, the the amount of money being paid for some tickets uh, because it was rumoured he was going to start was ludicrous. I mean, there were nine hundred euros, seven hundred euros. Uh, and when he wasn't uh, announced in the starting lineup, I imagine a couple of people in the stands were like, What have I done? Um, but yes, he came on for the last 24 minutes for Neymar, uh, which means we haven't uh, seen all of those uh, Galacticos together. Apparently, according to Opta, he was on the pitch for 24 minutes, but was the most fouled player in the match. <laughs> you could kind of see the Rouse defence going, oh, Jesus, uh, do something, something, anything. Um, many, so, one suspects. Yeah, it was, uh, but no, I think Mbappe uh, getting both goals was just a little, hello, still here, you know kind of situation at that yeah. point um, <laughs> because of all of the all of the discussion about that the whatever the hell was going on with um, Real Madrid and millions and millions and I didn't really keep up with what was going on there it just seemed to be okay more okay more okay more uh, but it does appear 
that we will at some point get the chance to see Neymar, Mbappe and Messi play together. In which case, I imagine anybody with a functioning midfield is going to think, we might get something out of this. So, interesting. I mean, PSG beat Rans 2-0 away is not a headline that would usually make anybody (laughs) sit up and take notice. But in this case, there was the narrative. So... We have yeah. to bow to the narrative, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be one that's, um, well, many stories are going to come. Of course, this won't be the only game in, in Liga that is um, messified, if you will. But, uh, Rich, it's, it's kind of killing Mbappe. I want to turn a bit of the focus on to here. And by all means, if you want to uh, mention Messi, feel free. But I feel like we've, we've kind of covered it a bit. But the Mbappe story has, has run all the way to the wire. Um, essentially... Where we started was Real Madrid flirting and batting their eyelids and Mbappe sort of uh, hitching up his skirt a little bit and batting his eyelids back. And uh, it ended in a a fairly ignominious um, Spanish media story about him being held hostage and um, a few people saying that, you know, PSG were were, were making a prisoner of him and, and essentially sort of denying him his dream move and all this. I come down on the other side of the fence of this and I say to myself, well, PSG don't need the money. We know that. And they've simply exercised their right to keep their player. Do you see it the same way? And, and do you have any doubts about Mbappe's character? His performance was excellent. He said it was a dream night, to quote his words. But there has been a few slightly grumpy strops, you know, not necessarily, uh, shall we say, thinly veiled Instagram posts, etc. I mean, what do you make of it all? Because it's pretty clear that he's going to go eventually. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't really have any, you can't fall down on any side of sympathy with Real Madrid, I'm afraid. No. You know, there are many other clubs I could have sympathy for, but Real Madrid certainly are one that I will not have any sympathy for. Um, you're quite right. PSG have a player who's under contract until next summer, and they're keeping him until next summer. Um, he he can either sign a contract extension or he can see out the remaining year of his contract. Well, it's looking highly likely to be the latter. And as you say, PSG are just exercising that right, and which they're well within well within their rights to actually do. Um, you know, there's there's all this talk now. You know, Madrid pushing the Madrid and the Madrid back press, um, sort of pushing the the agenda now of of yeah hostage and he's being kept prisoner and it's like, well he's not, you know he's at the club which supposedly was his dream club when he moved from um, Monaco to PSG all those years ago. Uh, you know he signed that contract. He knows very well that that you know that contract would almost certainly be, um, you know, sort of, you'd be held to account for that. And that's exactly what's been happening. Um, I, I fully expect there now to be a bit of a glut of the, um, you know, sort of um, the, the, the sort of Mbappe comms team, if you like, pushing the, oh, he's happy to be here. He's happy to play with Messi, uh, Messi. Messi and Neymar. He's happy to be playing with them. It's, you know, it's brilliant that he's going to be. And I'd imagine we're going to get all of that. Very much the case when, you know, Neymar was pushing for that move and it ended up that he was staying. We had a big push of, you know, well, he's happy to stay. He's happy here. He's happy to, to continue playing for them. We'll, we'll get that now. The question now comes is, I mean, do PSG somehow convince him to sign a contract extension? Or are we now going to have a complete and utter um, sort of implosion of news come January when he supposedly will be signing the sort of pre-contract for the free move to Madrid then in the summer? Um, it, it, for me, it seems pretty clear that he will make that move. And I think we spoke about on the, on the preview podcast, actually, we spoke about um, Mbappe and what he might want to do. In terms of, yes, he sort of demanded that PSG bring these players, big names in, make a statement. And they have, but they're all in the twilights of their career. So it's a question of, well, okay, does he, you know, 
stay with with PSG, be a be a you know team player and be this nice guy that we all hope that he is, or does he actually then see well stuff signing a contract extension? I'm going to be playing with a bunch of OAPs, and does he recognise actually? I've always wanted to play for Real Madrid, but in addition to that, Real Madrid are going to be undergoing a complete revamp, complete sort of overhaul, really, as as, as players depart. We've got um, Cruz and Modric, you know, coming to the very ends of their careers. We've got Benzema, you know, maybe a couple more seasons more out of him. They're going to need that star player to build the team around. Um, they've signed another reasonably talented youngster, but we'll come on to him later, that could be a player that they sent to the team around. But Mbappe would, without a doubt, be that crown jewel in, you know, Los Galacticos, Mark three or whatever we're on it, of those now. So I fully expect him to go to Madrid. I fully expect him to go for free. It's just, it, it, I find it quite funny that Madrid, of all teams certain sections of their fan base, certain sections of their sort of media are now sort of pushed. How dare PSG turn down 200 million? It's completely unreasonable that a team can have that kind of, you know, financial power, financial, um, you know, stronghold that they can reject 200 million. Well, you know, again, I come back to it. I have sympathy, I have sympathy for a lot of teams, <laughs> but I, I don't have sympathy for Real Madrid when it comes, and especially when it comes to moaning about finances. Um, you know, they only have to look within their own league to see what really happens if you bother things up from a financial perspective. And I think the fact that they are Real Madrid has probably delayed that more than any other team within Spain, but you know, that's, that's another story for another podcast, but yeah, it's the, the, we're going to have now a, you know, isn't Mbappe a good guy, you know, press bombardment, I think over the next few weeks um, before there is then a complete, complete about turn. I would imagine in January um, when we do get the, the story sort of rearing its head again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't help but feel that the, the whole sort of premise behind PSG's thinking is, yes, they might lose him for free, but if they keep him and win the Champions League and then he goes for free, it's worth it, really. Mm. And that's kind of the... Uh, it's a lot of pressure, of course, on, on winning the Champions League now, but you would think that would be in yeah, there. Well, I mean, what, what, I'm, what I would find quite interesting is if, if Mbappe did go... Yeah. In, you know, he won't go in January, but he goes signs a contract in January is how big of a push PSG will make then in terms of, well, you know, they need a central focal point. Yes, they'll have Messi, but two, three seasons tops out of Messi. Yes, they'll have Neymar. But again, you know, how much can we, how much can PSG rely on Neymar despite, you know, in addition, sorry, to the fact that, you know, he's, he's now late twenties. They need that sort of, star name but sort of that next big star and obviously the, the name that jumps out is is Haaland and it's then a question of do they along with probably a whole host of other teams go massive and I'd imagine conversations have already been had but they then go massively on the push that yes okay Mbappe leaves but they then have that sort of like for like replacement if you like in terms of bringing Haaland in to, to lead the line yeah. Uh, because they'll need somebody. Yeah. And there's, you know, you think, well, okay, who could they bring in? Well, again, they could they could go towards the more experienced slash veteran side of things, and they could look at someone like Lewandowski. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with the smatterings of players that they've got who are still the sort of fresh side of, of their peak, you know, Haaland would be the... the you know, that, that poster boy, I think, that would fit that PSG image quite strongly. Yeah, yeah, marquee signing, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of um, of clubs with money, uh, that um, brings me back to, to Nice, Phil. And I kind of just wanted to just give them a little bit of love this week. So I know we touched on the fact they were pretty good the last couple of weeks and, and we have given Gaultier sort of uh, the, you know, the praise he deserves, etc. But 
is there do you do you sort of feel there's a genuine title opportunity here for Gautienko because they just they just look like a side that is cranking into gear very early on I mean we know Bordeaux are not great shakes and they were still rebuilding their squad at the time of this game but I mean Nice just whipped them aside and that attacking was situation this was this was not a you know 2-1 Bordeaux aren't very good this was on a roll Mm. I think and it's really interesting to see that um in the sense that that, ha- that has happened before they've done their business. So it does look like Galtier has really made uh, a big impact just coming in and, and introducing a new kind of approach. And now they've got Delors from Montpellier. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to mention it. But... <laughs> I am sad. But, you know... Um, um, Mario Lamina oh, back. Um, this Calvin Stengs guy I've never heard of before from AZ Agma. Very good, but, that, but that sounds like a very Galtier kind of move. It's like, mm-hmm. who is this man? Where did he come from? He's not come from a massive club, he's not a massive name, but they spent 15 million on him. I'm betting that's going to be a good buy. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So good profile. I think Galtier is used to dealing with financial basket cases. So just having a little bit of wiggle room possibly is uh, is is a good thing. So I think they are definitely. To keep an eye on um, the L'Equipe classement doesn't currently have them on ten points because of the whole Marseille thing being yeah. a walkover. But they are, aren't they? I mean, they they must it, be on. 10. Yeah, it's technically. I mean, as it stands by the, the letter of the law, quote unquote. Yes, it is, but. Yeah. I guess it's one of those that might run for a few weeks before we know 100%. Exactly, because the thing. Um, I just, one thing I saw some talk about, just uh, referring back to the PSG Mbappe situation, is that um, uh, Real Madrid, having had their massive bid turned down, then bought Camavinga. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) 51 million, thus making sure... PSG can't buy him, uh, yeah. which did strike me as being a little bit bitchy, but also quite smart. So, yeah, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, the PSG arrivals in uh, and departures involve pretty much everybody under the age of 23 going out on loan again. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can find that balance, which we've talked about for ages, that, you know, the youngsters who come up to the academy just don't get playing time. But now the starting 11 is starting to look older and older and older. And at what point will this become uh, an issue? Yeah. Uh, the lack of midfield being entirely separate now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an intriguing one. Um, Rich, are you, are you sold? Are you kind of sold on the idea of, uh, of, of Nice? I mean, I know it's early. I mean, yeah, it's like we call the 1st of September. There's a lot, lot of the season to go, but it seems like they've finally got the right business being done. They've obviously got a very good coach now. They look tactically a lot better set up. Um, of course, they'll have some down days, but so far... I mean, it's hard to kind of be critical of anything they've done other than the opening game of the season, really, isn't it? Well, anything that they they have done, their fans obviously a different story. But, oh, of course, yeah, that's, that's a whole, <laughs> whole different kettle of fish. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying um, what sort of Gautier is bringing to this team. You know, we sort of saw, you know, the briefest of glimpse of it um, under Vieira, very brief. But it, it's needed someone 
like Galtier, I think, to come in and, you know, really hone down that moulding of, of what this Nice quote-unquote project needs to look like. Uh, and what I particularly enjoyed about the weekend's game was how young that team was. You know, you take out three players, the rest of them were 24 and under. Um, the average obviously goes up quite a bit thanks to a certain Dante in defence. <laughs> but, you know, they had a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, 20, 21, 22, 20, 21. Um, three more 20-year-olds on the bench. You know, that, that's a very youthful team. But they're all gaining experience. They're all playing well. They're all fitting into that team, knowing their roles really well. And then, as we said, they brought in Delors. Um, there was no Dolberg at the weekend. They've got Claude Maurice and Yusuf Attal out injured currently. They got them to come back. It's starting to look like a very, very useful, very promising squad and a, a promise that actually could deliver relatively quickly. Um, I mean, the, the, I mean, the one that jumps out for me is just how awful a decision it is looking. And it's looking worse week by week, it feels like now, that Leon made in terms of allowing Amin Guiri to leave. Yeah. You know, he got he got a double a double at the weekend. And it's you're just scratching your head thinking, my God, what uh, you know, what were they thinking? Especially for the pittance that Nice have actually bought him for. Mm. You do left. You are left thinking. You know, you knew he was a superb prodigy coming through the Leon youth system. You stood by him when he got a dreadful injury that kept him out pretty much for an entire season. You've you've sort of helped him through the rehabilitation of that, and then just as he's got you know fully back to fitness, and great looks like he could be brought back into the senior team. He's out the door. Yeah. And he's gone to Nice and he is flourishing. And, you know, you just have to think what, how different could Leon's start possibly have been if they had a striker, a forward in as good form as Amin Guiri is? Yeah, especially um, alongside Dembele or in behind Dembele. Well, exactly. Because, yeah. you know, and especially yeah, he's still only 21. You know, it, it feels like we've been talking about Guiri for a long time, but he's still only 21. Um, no, I'm really excited for this this nice sort of project um, and and how Gautier can continue. You know, they're not perfect yet. There is still more fine tuning needed, but you know, Gautier is the perfect person to do that fine tuning. So once everybody is is fully on board, fully up to speed. Yeah, I, I don't know if necessarily there'll be challenges for the title, but they're making a very strong case for being a a um, sort of leading candidate for second place. Mm, yeah, Champions League potential um, in in that, and uh, I think the Dante point it, it's got it's very Jose Font of, of the Leo mm. title winning squad, isn't it? That experience to work around the other players in that back line, so. Um, yeah, they've, they've been impressive, I think it's it's fair to say. So it will be certainly a club we want to watch closely in the coming weeks, particularly when they play some of the, the up there clubs, um, Leon included, of course. So um, let's uh, let's just talk a bit of European uh, draw action. Um, Phil, I'll come to you first of all. Did you want to just give us the, the French clubs in Europe in terms of who's got who and what groups, and then we'll kind of break well, them down a bit? Well, I... I was um, a bit confused. Um, Monaco managed to lose to Shakhtar in the Champions League playoffs. Playoff? Did they lose? No, they drew in the second leg, but they lost overall. After That's it, yeah. That, and that was um, Ruben Aguiar's uh, first Clamter, uh, <laughs> so goal of the week. I feel so sorry for that man. It was um, pretty hard. So I then wasn't entirely sure what happened to Monaco, but they do go down to the Europa League. Yeah, it's not all bad. Meanwhile, uh, Rennes beat Rosenberg over both legs. I think it was 5 1 
um, on aggregate um, <laughs> in the Europa Conference thing he wanted. And I, again, wasn't sure what that meant, but apparently there is a group stage for the Europa Conference thing he wanted, so there they is. were in that. Uh, that was um, Aguirre uh, getting... Uh, I've got an asterisk by that note, which I think means it was a good goal. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so they looked very comfortable in that. So we went into the draws, and the, I swear to God, we're used to the draws taking ages, but oh, the God. degree of confusion and complication about the Europa Conference thingy, what's it, meant that it was... 10 minutes of explanation before they actually got down to what actually happened. So those to me, the Europa and Conference thingy, what's it ones, are more interesting to me just because, I know, it feels more like an actual contest. Um, so if we start at the bottom and work our way up, I thought that would be a nice way to do it. Yes, um, we can do that. Then... Oh, 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 oh. Start at the bottom <laughs> and going there. <laughs> Knew that was I said it's C, the Europa Conference thingy, what's it, is C4. The Explosive. Europa League is tournament. C3. Champions League is C1. We no longer have the Cup Winners' Cup, which was C2. So we're starting with C4. And I think Rich might want to chip in on this. But Ren are in a group with Spurs, Vitasanum, and Europe. And I'll be honest, I forgot to write down what company uh country are from. Yeah. Right. So that I think is is the group of C4. I mean that's that's fun waiting to happen. Mm. Rich, how are you feeling? <laughs> um, I feel okay. I mean, you know, Arsenal needed a dodgy referee in the second leg to see see past us in the uh, Europa League a couple of seasons ago. So I suppose Spurs will be a stiffer test. Um, yeah, right now, definitely. <laughs> I'm saying that purely just to Sorry, worry Chris, Chris up, to be honest. Uh, that's all right. I, I'm, I'm done with my club at the moment, trust me. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 a nice group, you know. We we all had a laugh and a joke when this tournament was initially um this tournament, this cup was initially announced, you know, it's a bit of a joke, this and that and the other. And I'm sure some of the bigger teams that are in it may take it very much as that. But you know, looking at the, the team that Ren put out in the qualifying uh playoff against Rosenborg, both legs of that. Very, very strong teams that Ren put out. Wasn't that Ablin's um, debut goal? It was, yes. Yeah. Matthew Ablin. Um, nice little finish, actually, as well. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, I'm quite happy with that group. Um, you know, Tottenham, obviously, are the name, but I don't, for the life of me, suppose there will be any first team, or men, any, if many, if any, first-team players in that team that Spurs put out for that. But, you know, it's, and, it's and a... that you know, is the fun a, bit, because the teams that are taking it seriously, I mean, Vitesse, maybe, Mura, definitely, they're going to be playing their first team. Well, I mean, you just have to apply the, you know, the, the Villarreal or the severe effect on it. Yeah. They, take, they take these supposed lesser tournaments seriously. They win the tournaments... They get the glory off the back of them and they fall that therefore they qualify for a, you know, the next level above in the yeah. following season. And, so, and if they hammer Spurs, it's not going to say in history books Spurs were playing their, their B team. Mm. It's going to say they beat Spurs. So there's a lot there, I think, to motivate. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of more interested in C3, C4. Um, let's this let's is, touch on them while, while we're while we're hot. Then where where C, are we going? C three, I think Group E of the Europa League could be the group with the biggest number of red cards and disciplinary fines we have ever seen. Lazio, Lokomotiv Moscow, Marseille, and Galatasaray. I mean, come on, that is a punch up waiting to happen. 
I'd be more worried about punch up in the stands if I'm yeah, going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's I said disciplinary issues. Um, yeah, I mean that looks like a somebody on on Twitter said this was. I think it was um, Mo uh, Mo Ali. Uh, this is a Champions League group from 2009 or something like that. So that looks really tasty. In the other groups with uh, French representation, Oella and Monaco were both in pot one. Uh, Oella in group A with Rangers, Sparta, Prague and Brumby. Uh, Monaco in with group B with PSV, Real Sociedad and Stumgrats. Ungroup that one, but I'm still. I will be watching Groupy every step of the way. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it'll be very interesting to see what one Musa Dembele does in his return to Scotland as well. For for Leon, you would think that would give him all the motivation he needs. Uh, yeah, I uh, just uh, a sidebar on those draws as well. Um, for me, Marseille have got to be looking to try and win this competition, haven't they? I mean, is that am I going too far away? Look at the yes. signings they've made. Do you think? Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, they they they're going to make a fist of it getting out of the group. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm not saying that they will win it. I'm saying if if I was Sam Powerly, I'm, I'm they looking play at their that. first team. Yeah, I, I'm thinking let's try and go deep in this competition because you know you've we've seen before. Well, didn't they play? Didn't they play Lazio? They had Lazio in their did. their group yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't pretty for Marseille then, if I remember rightly. They, they can't do any worse than last year. Let's face it; they were abysmal in the Champions League, weren't they, last year? So, I mean, it's they made just, us look uh, competent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's a that's a tough group for Marseille. That is a tough group because. You know, not only are they, you know, pretty decent teams, but they are hostile places to go. Yeah. With, fan, with fans back in as well. You know, they are not nice places to as an, for an away team to go to. As, you know, as um, is the Velodrome. So I think... Well, exactly. I, I mean, it's yes. going to be a great watch because Works both ways. every single stadium is going to be a fortress. Yeah. And that is going to make for a very cool atmosphere over the entire group. It's not like, you know, we've got Mitchelland in there as kind of, oh, with the nice people. You know, every every single match here will be flares and pyro and banners and, and thunder, possibly stewarding issues and maybe and a the lot CRS of... having to turn up you know it's all it's all going to be um dramatic and be I think a lot of smash as, cafe as long as nobody gets a you know a kind of a stadium ban <laughs> uh, coming up to this which is not out of the question um mm. I think these are going to be some of the best games to watch because there is going to be that atmosphere. And after not having fans in stadiums for so long, this is going to be special. Yeah, let's just hope they behave, of course. Um, Because whatever you think of Marseille as the club, I mean, that that stadium rocking is is something special. The the, the Velodrome is just a special place, I think, for... For, for atmosphere if, if it's you know the right times and the right opposition and yeah I mean who knows it might galvanise the um, those particular games the uh, the Galatasaray game in particular I have a suspicion might not be one for the faint of heart given the supporter base of, of each club but um, I'll just leave that one there that's that smoking gun um, so are we... then, then we get to the kind of boring end of things and the Champions League you know um, so Group A, Manchester City, PSG, RB Leipzig, and Club Brugger. And you're thinking in that one, Club Brugger are looking at the rest of them and going, can we have oil money, please? please, yeah. please or can we just please? leave now? Although they beat Real Madrid, didn't they, last year? So I, I want them to uh, beat somebody up quite, kind of bad. Um, and then in Group G... Lille, who were the pot one 
choice. I couldn't quite work out why Lille were in pot one and PSG were in pot two, but whatever. Champions, They're playing uh, Sevilla, Salzburg and Wolfsburg, who I have no idea what the men's team are like, but the women are good. Uh, the men's team are, I mean, they're, they're, they're a work in progress. They've got a couple of very good players, Max Lancelot in particular at the back, I like. But uh, oh. yeah, they're, they're a mixed bag of um, Root Verkhorst. I think he's six foot five up front is, is always a danger. But yeah, it, well, it's, given, it's a fun looking given, group. Given Lille's um, situation at the moment, their um, results at the weekend notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon Sevilla are probably going to uh, roll them quite badly. Mm, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Sevilla, they've got a pedigree in this competition. Of course, we're going to be... A, a t- I mean, yeah, it's a tough-looking group. What do you make of those two, Rich? I mean, I guess I guess Lille's objective is try and get out the group. And I guess PSG, there can only be one objective, surely, and that's win the whole thing. I mean, there is, there just is no, I wouldn't say no excuse because every every team, you know, just as Manchester City, every team has their off days and, you know, they're expected to do something and don't. But the squad PSG have built, I mean, that their objective has to be to try and win this this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're quite right. I mean, they've got, they've got all the tools now, you know, they've got the players, you know, you, can't really if after the summer that they've had you can't really have too many excuses um you really can't you know that the, the the players that they have brought in to fill certainly some of the more obvious issues and primarily I'm looking at, at their fullback positions um you know they were the sort of more clear cut weaknesses in that team you know they've they've recruited and recruited very well in those positions. Yeah, there's there's not really any excuse for for Pochettino not taking this team to at least at least the semi-finals and even the semi-final going out of the semi-finals may be deemed as a bit of an underachievement. But at the very least the semi-finals what I'd be quite interested in is come, you know, early Fe- late January, early February Round of 16, PSG are drawn against Real Madrid with Mbappe having <laughs> two weeks before that signed his pre-contract agreement with Madrid. You just know it's coming, don't you? You know, I would, uh, yeah, to, to see what happens there and how how that plays out would be fascinating. But, you know, it is a, it's, it's certainly a, it's a group that PSG can't take lightly. Mm. Man City being Man City. Um, as you said, you know, Bruges have, have shown that they're not the pushovers that it certainly looks on paper. And again, RB Leipzig, you know, they, they can cause problems. They've done well in the Bundesliga over the last few years. Again, you can't, um, you know, you can't underestimate them. Lille, it's, it doesn't look, a, it, it looks like there could have been far worse groups for Lille. Yeah. But again, that's still a group that, they shouldn't just be thinking, oh, you know what, we, yeah, okay, Sevilla probably are the strongest team here and Sevilla probably will finish top, but we can get, say, because Salzburg, you know, they they have shown over the last couple of seasons, you can't take them lightly at all. And Wolfsburg seem to be heading in the right direction in terms of improvement. They had a couple of really iffy seasons in the Bundesliga where they just about stayed uh, they just about avoided relegation, I believe. Yeah. But, you know, the last couple of seasons, there have been improvements, um, obviously resulting in, in Champions League qualification. So, again, you know, you could probably look at that, and although Lille were part one, you could arguably, looking at the current state of everybody, you could probably make a reasonable argument for Lille actually probably if you were to rank them purely based on current squad, current form, you could make an argument that Lille actually could be pot four. Yeah. Um, so, yes, getting out of the group would be a marvellous achievement. I think third place could, again, still be a pretty good outcome for them, but I do slightly fear for them. Yeah. Um, I- in that, sort of the outcome from that group for them. 
think the one the one thing you would say maybe about Lille is if you look at their their transfer business, they have hung on to a lot of players I necess- didn't necessarily think they would hang on to. I don't I don't think Renato Sanchez went in the end of the that was heavily linked. But I don't think no. it, it then it, it then depends. You know he he seemed to be well, certainly his agents were seemingly desperate to try and get him somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that he hasn't gone. For whatever reason, you know, there's rumours that he has rejected, you know, the, the Wolves and Newcastle potential moves, but that the move for him didn't come off. Mm. You know, how does he react to that? Yeah. You know, they, they need, they do desperately need him back and they need him back in the form he was last season. Mm. Um, and not to have got a move that he was perhaps hoping for, it's, it's how it affects him. Yeah, yeah. Same as keeping Sven Botman was was a big thing. They've added the, the goalkeeper with a bit more experience now as well, which I think they probably did need. Um, you know, you just you just sort of feel like they have hang on hung on to a few players I didn't necessarily think they would, and and that attack as well is is still functional. So I guess we will see. I guess we will see. Um it does seem like a good time to uh to talk transfers. So Phil, you can go and pop the kettle on if if you like. Um, <laughs> but uh I'm gonna every leave every year. Every year, Chris. Every <laughs> fucking year. Okay, I, we've sold our entire front line. I was I was gonna sort of say you can miss out um, on us discussing have, that. We but... <laughs> have we kept hold of Sambia? Sambia least... did stay, yes. yes. It was just Thank Laborde and, and Delore. Oh, yeah. yeah, not not the most fun time to be a Montpellier fan, but Valagerman did come in. Um Rich, what... <laughs> that's Sorry, something. I, I, mean... I I I shared that with Bobetto, who is a, a big friend of the the pod, and um he pointed out I must also express some cheer at his complete refusal to go more than 50 kilometers from the Mediterranean Sea. I look forward to him joining newly promoted SE Toulon in 2024. <laughs> and that does seem living living his best reasonable. life. And why the hell not? Well, I would suggest if you're at that age, why the hell not enjoy your career? But yeah, agreed. Um Rich, what was the highlights of highlights, lowlights of of this window? Um, I mean, I guess the big one we, we touched on earlier on, but Camavinga obviously moving on from Ren. I think you kind of come to peace with it, and that has now happened. I worry a bit about a bit about that move. So does my computer, apparently. I worry a little bit about that move in just in terms of is it too soon? But by all means, give you your thoughts on that. And and as I say, any other moves that really uh, stood out for you either on deadline day or the window as a whole. Yeah, well, the Camavinga one, you know, as you say, yes, I think Rem fans uh, sort of made peace with it. It's It was becoming clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. It, it was going to happen. And if it wasn't going to happen this transfer window, it was going to happen next. You know, he wasn't planning on staying around. Certainly his agents weren't planning on him staying around. Um. And then, obviously, with with um, Madrid being knocked back in their pursuit of Mbappe, focus switched to Camavinga. You know, we've got thirty, just over thirty-one million plus fifteen million bonuses for a player who, let's be honest, has had eighteen months plus of not playing particularly great, and only one year left on his contract. You know, I'm comfortable with that. Um, I've been very vocal in the fact that it's this is the wrong move at the wrong time for the player. You know, he needs to be playing week in, week out, and he needs to rediscover his form, and he needs to be allowed the time to rediscover his form. And I just don't see that happening at Madrid. You know, I, I can I can very easily see that he gets drafted into the first team, He's not, he's not an automatic starter at Madrid. You know, there are players that he has to displace um, and players who have been in that club and in that setup for a reasonable amount of time as well. Um, and I just worry that he will get, you know, little bits here and there. That's not going to help him rediscover his form. 
I would imagine the, the Madrid fans who probably demand a lot from their players, they could easily start to turn on him. If I'm perfectly honest, and I hope this doesn't happen, but if, if I'm honest, I could very easily see that January or probably next season, he's sent out on loan. Mm. You know, so, it, sort of Erdegaard-esque kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, I just... I'm, I'm so frustrated. The bit I'm frustrated about is the behaviour of those who are influencing Camavinga. Mm. You know, he has got, um, you know, he's got a father that seems to be heavily focused on money. And then the agents, the new agents that he's gone to, they are definitely solely focused on money and have been pushing for this move. It's way too early way too early considering what we have seen take the clock back 18 months two years ago and if this move was coming about you could almost see it as a more well that's more reasonable because he'd had that explosion onto the the scene that somebody snaps him up straight away then but he's had that explosion and since that it's just not it's been down. It's been down all the step of the way in terms of his, his form. And there's no coincidence. You know, a lot of people have been reporting it's punishment for him not signing a contract that he's been dropped. It's purely for the fact that he's not been playing well is why he has been dropped from the Wren starting lineup. So, uh, you know, I wish him the very best. I hope it works out brilliantly for him. Um, I wish nothing but bad luck for his agents, but for him, I really hope it works out for him. You know, he he is a wonderful talent. He just as yet hasn't proved it consistently enough for me to have warranted departing. Yeah, um, and, and, and going to an institution as massive as Madrid. So I have some severe doubts over the whole thing but I am hoping for the very best for him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's well well summed up. Did um, did anything else catch your eye? I mean, it, it seemed like quite a busy deadline um, day for France. Boateng is probably one that caught my eye. Just um, had a... When I saw that Yassin Adli had gone to AC Milan from Bordeaux, I thought, oh, Christ, that's going to absolutely probably relegate them. But I think he's come back on loan hmm. So that hopefully will not be too big a deal. What impressed me was that Claremont don't appear to have lost anybody. Um, There were people very interested in Bio, for example, and he seems to be sticking around. So that is a good thing. I was asked also uh, this morning by... Uh, our friend Donna McCrory, Il Gran Toro on Twitter. Uh, any news of incomings at uh, Saint Etienne? And the answer is no. No. I don't appear to have done any business at all. Bit and surprising, that one. So I think there's, which may underline the issues they've had over the past two seasons that there is no longer anybody that for example lower tier premier league teams want to buy i i'm talking about newcastle but you know yeah um so it looks like there's absolutely nothing happening there and that has to be worrying given that they haven't exactly started brilliantly and um it looks like maybe things won't continue i mean uh, they've lost Kevin monipake who's now retired um who who is there apart from hamura it's it's kind of the youth element isn't it that's what they're going for i mean as yeah. they always have done under pure and it feels like they're just they're committing to that and and I kind of like to see it in a way. I mean, it you know, it's brave. Well, I hope but, it uh, works because. Oh, if it doesn't, then it, then it's, it could go badly wrong very quickly. You're ruining careers, aren't you? My one one thing I worry about with Sanetti is if Wabi Kazri isn't scoring, who is? That's that's the slight concern. 
But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see on that one. It's more, um, more stressed every time I see Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's very true. Another one that kind of stood out, Nuno Mendes going to PSG. Quite an interesting uh, interesting deal, left back. Um, PSG clearly were in the market for one of those. To, to Wan Bernat is, I would imagine, first choice. But Mendes coming in, uh, he's only 19, 36 million quid. That's quite the uh, quite the purchase fee for him, but um, yeah, you sort of feel like PSG have pretty much addressed all the areas that they needed to address at this particular point in time. So, uh, well, most of them. Uh, maybe there is an argument you could say. I think the, the the roster is fine. The selection is the issue. Yeah, that's and and, and where they're being deployed, and and obviously there's yeah. injuries as well. But yeah, I, I feel like they've probably made some good. Good purchases this, this summer. We haven't seen we haven't seen Ramos yet, of course. And I feel like the Hakimi to Mbappe link is probably going to be something we we hear quite a lot of. But um, yeah, Lorient also loaned out um, Pierre Ivan Amel to uh, to Claremont. So not only have they did they keep Bio, but they've also added another forward to their ranks. So that will be an interesting one. To see how that works out. He's a player I kind of like. Um, Jerome Boating I mentioned to uh, to Leon. I have you know what I've got opinion of that yeah go on uh, no uh, opinion whatsoever <laughs> on that it's a very it's a very leon signing isn't it it's a very kind of like player who was quite good but maybe isn't very good anymore but nobody really knows sort of yeah i i hope i'm wrong because leon needed a center back yeah well they probably needed a couple to be perfectly honest but yeah i i do wonder about that signing wonder if it was one of those like the opportunity was just there so we took it type of situation well they need they need defenders and they you know they need um you know a bit of experience as well yeah um so it makes sense from that but you know other than how, that. how much have they splashed out in terms of wages and all that on him mm, yeah that's mm. That, that would be a worry. Uh, yeah. I quite like, probably bias, I know, but the sort of tail end of the window, the, the players that Ren did bring in, obviously we mentioned earlier Laborde, mm-hmm. um, don't fully know why we we signed him. It wasn't an area that we desperately needed. Um, but I just, you know, why, why not? Opportunity, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, the fact is he's played really well, I think, over the last two years. Mm. Um, uh, in part, that was due to the partnership with um, the law. But, you know, great. He's got experience. I look forward to seeing what he can do in that team. What I am really interested in then is if we then look at, obviously, we've, we've touched on the Santa Maria. We've touched on Sulemana. Um is and I I forgive my pronunciation if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, and I know very little, which is why I've had to reach out and speak to people about him. But Lovro Maja, mm. down from Dynamo Zagreb, by all accounts, looks like very very promising player, and is the kind of player that we have needed. That sort of creative um, can provide a little bit of magic get on the ball, control things. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, and we've also then tied up a deal for young Turkish goalkeeper Dogan Alemdar from Kayserispor. Yes, apologies for my pronunciation. But again, a lot of big things have been written about him. So very excited to see what, what those signings can do. Yeah. Um, but really, it was it was a case of... Not too many. I don't, you know, in terms of outgoings from Liga, there have certainly been far more brutal windows, I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Sarabia was probably the biggest of deadline day, and that was just to Portugal, wasn't it? That was to, to sporting. And from when a player leaves PSG, you don't really notice much, do you? Um, William Goebbels, Monaco to Nantes, interests me slightly because mm. there was a lot of thought of him, and that hasn't really worked out. Um, well, nice yeah, obviously, I have deepest, deepest sympathies with Jez as well, perhaps. Are, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, that, that's having, having got that move to Tottenham. Although back on loan, but yeah, yeah that is yeah. criminal. Yeah, um, well, they did. They did bring in Nicolas de Preville. They did, yes. You know, Which is another, another train for him to tick off the uh, 
yeah. undoing the rounds. Retro deal kind of thing. The, the other uh, Man City filling twelve with their reserves is fun as well. Uh, that's that's obviously big fun. Patrick Roberts oh. is one interesting one there. But I mean, I guess that's what happens when the City group owns a club. That's what they do, isn't it? But yeah, it was. Um, as ever in the L'Equipe list of ins and outs, because they list everybody. The longest list of arrivals is for probably the sixth year uh, in the row, Monaco. And I just explained that um, they list uh, the type of deal, and RP means retour prep. So, loan coming back. So, a player who was out on loan coming back. This is Monaco's list. RP, 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 70 million for a man called Myron Bodu from AZ Alkmaar. RP, 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 6.5 million, 11 million. RP, 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 P, RP, 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 RP. It is a, it's a, a, a departure lounge in an airport between flights. It's yeah. still... They're doing the same thing. Bruges turn up a lot. That's the club that they own. Two, yeah. three, four. Yeah, it's just... Farming of players. How many of these will actually meet Nico Kovac at any point? I, I'm not sure. Probably very few. I think it's a healthy model, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Fun it now. Um, the only other couple, just to because uh, I know we do need to wrap up shortly, but the only other couple I wanted to mention: um, uh, Katie Balde's left left Monaco. Notice that one. Armand Kalimwendo has gone back to Lens, which is kind of felt like a good fit yeah. uh, on loan from PSG. Um, uh, Wagner leaving Mets. I'm sure Jez will be devastated with that one, but he's gone back to Switzerland. Um, we mentioned Papisar, Maxwell Corner, of course, has left Leon to join Burn. Uh, well, has he joined Burnley or Umbro? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the question. Which <laughs> that was a classic bit of uh, shithousery there that I saw in the week. So good luck to him. Uh, we mentioned Depreville. Um, yeah, I don't think there was any other sort of major ones. Maxime Lamarchand back in France with Strasbourg. Um, Guilbert's come back to, to Strasbourg as well. That kind of made me smile because he was having a lovely time last season. So that's kind of good. Tom Basic has left uh, Bordeaux to join Lazio. Um, has left Ren. Too high, so oh, yes, yeah, that's a weird coming into Angers from Wolves, yeah, 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 because he was doing quite well at Wolves. I was quite surprised about that one. Um, but yeah, that more acid move was a a bit of a strange one, I must admit. Well, it is and it isn't. Ultimately, there are two players ahead of him at left back for Ren, um, and his form hasn't been the same since since he had an injury which kept him out for a while. No, fair point. Um, and he's in his last year of his contract as well, so I think we got just shy of four million for him. Yeah, that makes it bad. Um, and Jazino uh, Niamsi, the young, he's not young, he's twenty-four, I think now. Centre back uh, moved from Rennes to Strasbourg to join up with Julian Stefan. Yeah, yeah, fair point. I think yeah. actually the probably the best bit of best bit of business done was Brest keeping hold hold of Ramon Favre. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because that was <laughs> long linked that he was going to be on the move, wasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, Albert uh, Ellis is quite a good sign for Bordeaux. I look, I've quite like the look of what I've seen him in Portugal. They also brought in Dilrison from Hertha as part of their rebuild. Um, and Dario Benedetto, God bless him, has gone to Elche on a free transfer. So uh, no more fun for him at Marseille, unfortunately. Um, and they did tie up the um, the permanent deal for Alex Milik, or Alcadius Milik, sorry. So that's done as well so yeah plenty of interesting players i'm sure we'll come across a few that we completely didn't didn't realize i think radamar falcao went to granada in the end last night well certainly it was on the cards there's been quite a few random transfers i'm sure we'll turf those up as we go um but before we do go uh very very brief and this will be brief um as i say because 
uh, I've got an appointment to get to, but uh, we do just want to mention the the France uh, games that are upcoming. They play Bosnia Herzegovina tonight, time of recording. They then follow that up with an away trip to Ukraine and finish up the uh, the round of three games in the space of like four hours, seemingly well, over a couple of days. Next uh, was it seventh seventh uh, of September against Finland at home. Um, played in Strasbourg and Lyon, the two home games, which is a bit different. Um, just really summing this one up in a few words, Rich. Um, Antoine Griezmann, fresh off his return to Atletico Madrid, we should mention him. Fairly winnable fixtures for France with with that attack, and they've brought in Rabiot and Guendouzi called up to replace Kante and Tolisso. I think I'm right in saying, but that yeah. squad is that squad's got enough to win those three games, surely? Uh, it does. I mean, major head, major other headlines from it. Um, Ferro Hernandez. Uh, Jordan Beratu, Aurelien Chumeni, Musa Diaby all called up. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can have many arguments. I think they've all been playing very well for their respective clubs, I think, for quite a while. Beratu, um, Pamacano had to drop out. Uh, you know, as I love Chomp, but I scratch my head after his. Um, Euro two, uh, Euro 2020 performance. Clement Longley was called back up again to replace a Pamacano. So, mm. and sadly, no Olivier Giroud. No, um, that's the controversial uh, one. Apparently, door is still open. It's just you know, you know, it's to do with form and playing time. But weirdly enough, coincidentally enough, he started or came off the bench or started for AC Milan at the weekend and scored twice. So. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back in the next squad, but it doesn't look right a France squad without Giroud. No, 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 I, I completely agree with that one. Yeah, it does seem like a bit of a weird, a weird situation to be in. But uh, yeah, and as I said pre pre pod, we're uh, we're one Arsenal player being called up to the French national team uh, to a full scale riot in North London. So look forward to William Saliba being called up at some point and that happening. Um, but I had to just get that dig in because I'm pissed off. Anyway, um, that aside, I think we will draw this weekend or this week's uh, pod to a close. There's obviously no preview because there's no league on next weekend. So we'll be back uh, next week where we will, you would suspect, be fairly French, French international heavy as we look back at those three games. But uh, until then, should be said as well that uh, the France game on the 7th, um, that's next Tuesday. So we may... I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but we may delay the pod to next week as well. We'll, we'll see what our schedules are like, but just in case, dear listener, uh, in case you don't see us drop into your usual places on the Monday or the Tuesday, as would be the norm. Uh, but uh, until we make that decision and until France play their three games, uh, it just remains for me to thank both Phil and Rich for their time. So, Phil, thank you very much. Thank you. And Rich, thank you very much. Girls. Uh, good luck to Labour, of course, in their three upcoming games. And uh, I'll be back in no time. Uh, we do like a bit of international break um, when it's competitive games, at least. At least we don't have to sit through loads of friendlies. So good luck to them. We'll be back to cover all the action next week. Uh, thanks, as always, to my guests. And until next week, enjoy your international French football. And we'll speak to you very soon.